It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 485 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, April 1st. We freaking made it. It's April, baby. I'm your host, of course, Sean Woodley from RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And please make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network on whichever podcast platform you use when you're doing it. Please subscribe, rate, review, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Himalaya, which is a brand new podcast app. We have a partnership going with them. If you download Himalaya, it's great for curating your own playlists, a very personalized podcast experience with Himalaya. So please download that if you're in the market for a new podcast platform. Uh, also, make sure you're checking out all the Locked On NBA shows, all 30 NBA teams, of course, covered, all 32 NFL teams, a bunch of baseball teams as well covered now, too. I think about half the league is covered. So if you are a fan of a team, just go search the Locked On insert team here, and maybe you have a baseball podcast that's just there, there for you now every day. So, and I mean, 
of all the sports to have a daily podcast, baseball seems like the best one because there's games like literally all the time. The Blue Jays have played four games in like three days. It's crazy. Um, so make sure you're finding all of the Lockdown shows. Lockdown Blue Jays is one of the shows available. If you're a Blue Jays fan and you want to hear some Blue Jays content daily, uh, lots of great Jays podcasts out there, but none of them are daily like the Lockdown Podcast Network offers. So make sure you're finding that show on the podcast platforms you use. And I'll end the preamble now. Uh, on today's show, I'm just going solo. We're going to talk sort of about the Raptors beating the Bulls because really that was just like a game that happened. It wasn't really anything special. It was, you know, the the, the Bulls completely tanking with no, no real players available. People like Walter Lemon Jr. playing, Shaquille Harrison starting, like not a good team at all. So we don't have to dive too deep into the nuts and bolts of that game because, you know, it's, they're not really gleaning all that much from it. Of course, uh, OG Ananobi was out still dealing with concussion, post-concussion stuff. He's working his way back. Hopefully he's okay there. Of course, he got his bell rung uh, against the Knicks or the, or the other Bulls game. I can't remember. All these bad team games are blending together at this point. But, um, of course, hopefully OG's good there. Kawhi Leonard missed the game not for load management but for personal reasons. And then Siakam ended up just not playing because they didn't need him. And, you know, it was kind of a last-minute decision, I think. They didn't announce or anything that he was taking a night off for load management or anything like that. But uh, when it's the Bulls, you can afford to have your third-best player just hang out. And they did just that. Siakam, of course, has played a lot this year. He's played a lot of minutes, way more minutes than he's ever played before. He doesn't look like he's getting tired, per se, but I can't say I disagree with the idea to sit him down and just kind of give him a breather. And I would hope, as the season closes out here with five more games, I guess it is, like, I would hope they kind of rotate in and out. A lot of these guys, whether it's Lowry, Gasol, Ibaka, Van Vliet, Green in particular, because Green has been playing a ton of minutes lately uh, over the course of the whole season, and he himself was injured last year, so I'm okay with him taking some time. He only played 19 minutes on Saturday, so that's good. Of course, the Raptors beat the Bulls 124-101 in that game. Uh, notes from that game? Big takeaways, I guess? Obaka starting next to Marc Gasol is the main one. Uh, of course, we haven't gotten a lot of a look at that too big lineup. And truth be told, I haven't been, like, itching for it or anything like that. I understand the impetus to want to try it out, especially if you're going to give Siakam the night off. Um, and it can't hurt. And I, I don't think it's, like... I don't think that lineup's not going to work, per se. I think we saw in the past, like, the abaka Valanciunas front court could work just fine. But I do think, uh, like, it, when I'm looking at the Western or the Eastern Conference playoff matchups, I just don't really see a team against which, like, that lineup is going to be that important. I suppose the uh, Pistons series, if that was to happen, the 2-7 series with Detroit, maybe that works. You could have Gasol line up against um, Drummond and then Ibaka up against throw him against uh, blah, 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 who the hell's... Blake Griffin, that's the other guy. But at the same time, you do that, and you're, like, taking away Siakam minutes, which I think is a bad thing, because Siakam pretty much drives positive plus-minus whenever he's on the court. And so I, I understand why you want to get a look at it. I just don't really see many instances in which the Raps are going to really have to go to that lineup very often. So I, you know, I, I'm not, like, reading too much into it. Also, it's hard to read anything against the Bulls, right? Like, they started Robin Lopez at the 5, and he was, like, their only NBA player that they started. Um, someone named Brandon Sampson started. I don't even know what position he was. I guess he's the power forward nominally in that starting 5. Like, it's just, it's a bad, bad team that you can't really take all that much from. But uh, Ibaka and Gasol both played really well, so that's nice. Ibaka, 23 points, 10 to 16 shooting, 12 boards, 2 assists, a block, like a very nice Ibaka game. And Marc Gasol had himself a great game. He was a plus 25 over 29 minutes, uh, 17 points, 8 boards, 6 assists, 3 or 4 from deep, kind of the exact 
game you want to see from Marcus Saul. A little bit more aggressive offensively, taking 11 field goal attempts. I know everyone's really hung up on his field goal attempts. And I want to talk about Gasol and another certain big man that people are really talking about now uh, in the second part of the show. But we'll continue on breaking down this Bulls game. Truthfully, truthfully if I'm being, if I'm gonna like let you into the sausage factory. I'm currently sitting in my living room recording the podcast while the second half of this game plays out on PVR. I, after the first half, I was like, yeah, I can fire up the podcast. I didn't watch it Saturday night because why would I? <laughs> I had other things to do on Saturday night, and I figured this is a perfect PVR game. And one half in, I feel vindicated in my decision to not watch it live on Saturday, and I'm just rolling through commercial-free right now. It's fantastic, and things are looking pretty good. I guess the main thing people uh, were talking about after this one and like the thing that came away or that I came away with was uh, Fred Van Vliet is awesome. And I think uh, maybe I owe an apology to Fred Van Vliet a little bit because at the start of the season, I was pretty down on him. He was dealing with that back injury, I think, after the first couple weeks of the season where I thought he looked really good. And then he was kind of not so hot, not a lot of burst. And then it was complicated by the fact that he was playing next to Kawhi and Lowry a lot. And it just wasn't a very good combination because it kind of just like tricked the Raptors into not giving the ball to their two best players and just had Fred kind of run the offense a lot. And as good as Fred is, I don't think, you know, primary distributor is kind of his bag, especially when both Kawhi and Lowry are out there. It just kind of feels like not the best use of resources when he's on the floor. But I do think he's been excellent when it's been Lowry and Van Vliet without much in the way of other creation on, in, on the floor, right? And I think it's been really great to see Fred kind of come into his own the last couple of weeks after missing all that time with that thumb injury, which I think doubled as back improvement time. And he's, it looks like he's a lot fresher and sharper and more explosive now, even though he's still wearing the back wrap. I feel like he's just the kind of guy who's going to be wearing a back wrap for the rest of his life because he's got good old man energy. But I thought he looked really good in this one. 23 points for him, 9 of 15, 3 of 8 from deep, 6 assists, 4, four rebounds. Like He kind of was like the bellwether for the Raptors. The second quarter... You know, the Raps were down two after the first quarter. The second quarter comes around, and Fred was kind of the guy that led the charge as they put up a 41 spot in the second and really pulled away in the back half of the second quarter. Um, some great transition moments from him, you know, addition to Lynn for a, fin- for a finish, and then also finishing off the play that started with a fantastic Marcus Gasol outlet pass all the way down to Fred. He, l- he lays it up uh, as an oop for Norm Powell, who jammed it down. It's great to see. And his shooting is really on, like, on point right now. It's kind of coming to form. The Bulls, admittedly, were not providing a whole lot in the way of resistance. It felt like every time, like, even, like, a sort of half screen was set for, for Fred, he had, like, all the room in the world to pull up for three. I'm not sure what the direction from Jim Boylan was, other than uh, just give him all the space in the world, because that's what it seemed like, and he was just jacking them up. Uh, same happened with Kyle Lowry, actually. Lowry didn't have a great shooting night, just one of five from deep, but I liked his aggressiveness. I liked how he was sort of looking for his own shot, especially in the first half uh, that we've just seen here. Like, he was really, really just like happy to take the shots that were there for him and that's what you want to see I think like this team becomes way more dangerous when everyone is taking the shots that come to them because you can't overcompensate to stop one guy if one guy has a tendency to be a little more passive not taking his shots I think we've seen this with Gasol quite a bit um and friend of the show Jacob Max said uh you know pointed this out like Gasol's got to like take the shots that are there for him instead of deferring all the time because if he's if he's deferring all the time then teams are just never ever going to collapse down and help on him and they're, they're, they're just going to 
stick to the shooters on the perimeter, and it's going to make things a lot more difficult. And he's going to have to make those one-on-one plays against the opposing big if the Raptors want to have success. So I liked that the Raptors all seemed pretty eager to get their shots up when they came to them. And I, uh, although as I watched the replay here, Gasol had a wide open three. He tries to dump it down to, to a bucket, and it doesn't work, and they have a turnover. So uh, still some work to do there, obviously, but. Uh, I, I liked, for the most part, the way the team was just kind of eager to let it, let it fly. And I think a lot of it's like self-preservation, too. It's the goddamn Bulls, man. They suck. Like, there's no reason to kill yourself over this. And I think we saw this against the Knicks this week earlier as well, when they put up like 43 threes. Just jack as many threes as you want, man. You don't got to work too hard to drive to the basket against either of these teams. Like, just just find the easiest route to a, a semi-open shot. And if it happens to be worth more than the two-pointers, then go nuts and take all the threes you want. Um, this Bulls team is so pathetic, it makes me sad. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked a lot about this game from at least what I've seen of the game so far. Uh, but, like, there's not a whole lot to take out of it. It's just, it was a game that happened, and the Raptors, like, a game, Dick Finger quotes a game. Like, it wasn't really a game. Um, so we'll get into some more sort of bigger picture actual questions and stuff about the team in a second. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is WiseCam. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. Wise is packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20 anywhere inside your home. 1080p full HD, images so clear you won't miss a thing, night vision and two-way audio, you get it all with Wise. Wise's mission is to bring amazing smart home products into every single home. Check on your home anytime with Wise's app's live stream. Connect with life as it unfolds in sharp focus live stream with eight times digital zoom and you get 14 day free rolling cloud storage as well with Wise with no subscriptions. You just, when you buy the camera, you get 14 day rolling storage so you can go back and look. If there's something that happened at your house, you want to go back and check in on what it was, you have 14 days to do it. And it's free. That's the most important thing. It's free, no subscriptions required. Uh, say you're you know you're at your home and you want to watch your kids destroy your house. You want to keep an eye on the baby. You want to put a camera next to your bird feeder and watch some birds. You want to watch contractors repave your driveway while you're at work. You can do that all with Wise on the app, mobile, anywhere you want you want to be. You can check in on Wise and check in on what's going on with your home. And you want more? They've got that too for just ten dollars more. Wise Cam Pan. Gives you 360 degree coverage in under three seconds. Life moves fast, your camera should too. It's 110 degrees per second rotation speeds, 360 degree horizontal range, and a 93 degree vertical range so you can see anything in your house. Patrol your room with pan scan. Set the camera's patrol route with up to four custom waypoints as well. Wise Cam Pan automatically detects tags and tracks motion within its field of view. Keeping up with life in real time has never been so easy, and it works with your smart speakers, whether it's uh, Google Home, uh, well, I don't know the other ones. I, I don't want to say the one of the name with the lady's name because it's sitting right next to me and I don't want to turn it on. Uh, but you can use it with all your smart speakers. And also, again, reminder, free 14-day rolling cloud storage. And it works with any single mobile device, wherever you want to be. It is fantastic. If you want to get into the Wise game, go to wise.com slash locked on to get the guaranteed lowest price. That is wise.com, W-Y-Z-E dot com slash locked on to get the guaranteed lowest price. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right. Back to... uh, We can stop talking about the Bulls game. I'm done. It's fine. It's happening as I watch it still. Nothing of note is really taking place. The Raptors are beating a very bad team. Uh, We'll see if the urgency gets ramped up as the Magic come to town on Monday night in a game that should actually kind of be interesting because the Magic are really trying. And we'll see if the Raps have Kawhi back, maybe OG back, maybe Siakam plays, maybe they rest other people. It's going to be weird to see these games against actual teams racing for playoff spots right now between the Magic, the Nets, the Heat, and the Hornets over the next four games. Like, the Raps are pretty much locked in. I think their Magic number is one to take the two seed, so that's going to be all good. They're going to be locked into the two seed. And they're really at the point now where just self-preservation mode, man. Just run out the clock without anyone getting hurt. Please don't do the thing that happened last year where Fred VanVleet got hurt in the last game. While I was very on board with trying to go for 60 wins, I didn't really care. It was very unfortunate, and it was a product of trying too hard, probably. So I'm very okay if the Raps want to uh, just take it easy a little bit here. So it'll be interesting to see how the sort of varied or differing sort of urgency levels between the Raps and the teams that are coming in who are literally fighting for their lives is going to look. Um, I don't think the Raps are really going to be much in the game of trying to like jimmy the playoff spots. There's only so much they can do with one game against each of these teams anyway. But like if they really, really wanted to, I suppose they could like pick games in which they try really hard and pick games in which they rest guys and don't take it very seriously and sort of you know will their way to playing the Magic or the, or the Heat or whatever you want. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Raps are pretty comfortable with whatever team they play. This should be a four or five game first round for whatever opponent it is because the Raps are much better. And I don't think that's much of a question. Um, One thing that's been a question and that it popped up early on after the Marcus All trade and is now kind of popping up again because Jonas Valanciunas is putting up some insane numbers for the Grizzlies in a very high usage. I think he was like... 34 and 20 on like 28 shots for the Grizzlies over the weekend. Uh, people are relitigating the Gasol Valanciunas trade again. And I am so tired of it, man. And it's just like, it's not a conversation that needs to happen yet. It's still extremely early to be having the conversation. And yes, it's looked very good so far for the Grizzlies. You know, DeLon Wright's looked great in, in some minutes where he's either started in plays of Mike Conley or played alongside Mike Conley or whatever. Uh, and Valanciunas has looked awesome as like the only offensive threat in the front court for the Grizzlies. He's been awesome. But like, it's so, so... I don't want to say it's useless because I guess it's an interesting conversation, but it does feel kind of useless and not all that important to be talking about who won the trade three weeks after it happened because we haven't even seen the stretch of the season in which the trade will be determined, like whether it was a win or not for the Raptors. We can already say it's a win for the Grizzlies. And this is the other thing with trades that just like exhaust me. It's like, there doesn't have to be a winner in every single trade or a winner and a loser in every trade. Like some trades can be win-win. Some trade can be win-lose. Some trade can be lose-lose. Like it doesn't have to be so black and white. And the urge to just like jump to like deem which team has got the better of this deal, it just feels very premature. I don't really see the point in it right now. Like 
And it's not like Gasol's been bad with the Raptors. I know a lot of people are like harping on the fact that he's had a couple games where he hasn't shot much or he's got, you know, gone over from the field, but I think it's pretty hard to deny that the Raptors look like a healthier team with Gasol on the floor than they did with Valanciunas. And it's also hard to say because Valanciunas got hurt and then never played another game for the Raps after that Warriors game in mid-December. And, that, and at that time, the Raps were great. They were 20-4. and four. Uh, The lineup with Valanciunas starting was like a plus bazillion, like, like a 98 defensive rating. They were like a plus 25 overall. So it's hard to really judge what the Raps are. You know, there was like a long time in between there to sort of like, had we seen Valanciunas the day before the Gasol trade play with the Raptors again, or had he not gotten hurt at all, it'd be a lot easier to sort of compare how the two versions of the team look. But to my eyes, the Raps look healthier with Gasol in there. And that's because he's a very good passer and because he's a very good defender who doesn't really have to be, you know, the matchups don't have to be quite as curated for Gasol to have success. And that was the thing. That was the whole reason why the Raptors were going with the back and forth starting five to start the season is because Valanciunas was very much a matchup dependent player. And that's not uh, like an incorrect thing to say. He was. And the thing about what he's doing with Memphis now, and he's been fantastic, and I'm so glad to see Jonas eating. It's fan- It's amazing. Like It's so cool that he's getting the chance to play a lot of minutes. The fact of the matter is, he's playing for a team that doesn't really matter. They're, I think, 9-11 and since the trade. They're not like racking up wins or anything like that. They've had some nice stretches. They've had some really bad stretches. And Valanciunas is doing the thing we always knew he would do with an upscaled usage, right? He was always a very good permanent player. His efficiency has always been through the roof. The offense has never been a question, and it's almost like people are kind of bringing that like back to the front as like being um, something that was like unclear about Valanciunas when he was here. Like, no, the offense was always very clear. Like, you put the ball into him, he's probably going to score. Like, he's a very effective post scorer, uh, pretty much unguardable role man. Like, he was fantastic as a, as an offensive player. It was always the defense that was his limiting factor. There was a reason he didn't play a lot of minutes. is because he would get played off the floor quite a bit in very specific matchups. And those specific matchups happen to be a lot of the ones the Raps might come across in the playoffs. The, you know, the Brook Lopez thing has always been a bugaboo for Jonas Valanciunas, even before Lopez started shooting threes. Like, even when he was just, like, a post-up guy, he would kill Valanciunas. And even more so when he's shooting threes now, that's just a matchup you wouldn't want to see Valanciunas in. Um, you know, the, the Al Horford thing, that's been a very, like, wacky a mole type thing and it, sometimes it's like dead on and that Valanciunas does really well against Horford and sometimes it's just, it's just like a whiff and they're much better having Ibaka out there and that's been the case this season I think is Ibaka has been excellent against the Celtics as the starter and playing the lion's share of the minutes against Horford and you know Gasol's a guy that can play in that matchup in a way that Valanciunas it wasn't so reliable that he could and yes I know Valanciunas much better in a series against you know the, the Sixers than he would typically be against a regular opponent but I just, I I can't, like, the Sixers, like, Gasol is going to be fine for that matchup, too. He's one of the best post defenders in the league, and he also offers you way more in terms of bringing Joel Embiid away from the basket. And that is the biggest thing for me, is trying to make Joel Embiid into less of a monster defensively. And if you have Marcus Gasol picking and popping and hanging out near the perimeter, that is a way to draw Joel Embiid out. And then you open up a lot that way because Gasol's such a fantastic passer. You can utilize the cutting that has become way more a part of the Raptors' offense since he came around. And that's a way you can sort of carve open that very stout Sixers D and you just can't do that because Valanciunas was never a guy that people were going to guard at the three-point line so as much as he was a good defender on on Embiid like I didn't trust him to be the kind of offensive initiator and offensive sort of magnet for for defensive attention that you know that Gasol is going to be in that series so I think the real 
reason why the trade was made was the matchup stuff. Maybe Valanciunas is a better player than Gasol in the in the grand scheme of things. I don't know if that's true. I think Gasol does a lot of things much better than Valanciunas did. They're probably closer to a wash than anything. It's the fit that is, you know, I think that was necessary. The starting five with Ibaka was not particularly stout, and I don't think you could have trusted going into the playoffs with Valanciunas being your full-time starter because you're probably going to have to switch it over to Ibaka to, to start coming off the start instead if he was the full-time backup because guess what? That's happened in the playoffs three, three or four times before where Valanciunas has been proven in a certain matchup to not be, you know, you know, adequate as a starter. Gasol is going to be able to start against anybody. That's the reason he started like 10 games in a row now is I think they realized like, hey, this guy can play in any matchup. We don't have to go back and forth with the matchups now. We can just have our best guys on the court at all times. And I think you could argue that Valanciunas was a better player, is a better player than Ibaka. I don't even know if that's close. Like Valanciunas is a better offensive player for sure and the defense was like I think that's kind of up in the air but like you couldn't have played Valanciunas as a starter for sure in all those series it just was never going to happen here's Fred Van Vliet on the PVR hitting another three as a guy goes under a screen against him I don't understand but anyway that's besides the point um 91 67 wraps I don't need to watch this game anymore but the just the, the relitigating the Gasol notice thing just feels very uh, premature and just kind of like a, there's nothing else to talk about, so let's talk about this type of thing and a very reactive thing to the the nice games that Valanciunas has had with Memphis. I mean, what did you expect? He was going to go there with uh, on, a, on a roster that's limited without a lot in the way of offensive you know might, and of course he's going to get a lot of touches. Of course he's going to have a high usage, and of course he's going to put up good numbers because he's always put up good numbers uh, on a raw basis on his in, in per 36 situations and just whenever he gets the ball. He's usually pretty effective, but the defense once again is the limiting factor and I think his weaknesses aren't being highlighted the same way they would be on a very good team like the Raptors. It's the, the Grizzlies. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching Grizzlies games. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, the Grizzlies have still been bad defensively with Valanciunas on the court. They've been a negative 0.7 overall with JV on the court. And they have been a, uh, what's the, the a 110 point. Oh, come on. A 110.4 defensive rating with him on the floor, that is uh, not good. <laughs> it's, it, you know, most of their team is bad, but uh, he it's been as bad as anybody with Valanciunas on the court, and they're seven points better defensively uh, since Valanciunas got there with Valanciunas on the bench. Their offense is much better, of course, and he brings a lot to an offense, but the Raps' offense is such that it didn't need Valanciunas to be good. It was going to be good anyway, and the things Gasol does kind of grease the wheels to make that offense a little bit more potent, and yes, the uh, I think the offensive rating has been a little bit down since Gasol came, but I kind of chalked that up to, you know, just not trying as hard, really, and, you know, a lot of the things that you want to see, the assist rate, the three-point percentage, the, the three-point looks, the number of attempts they're getting up, it's all been improved. It's all been much more uh, sort of sustainable since since Gasol got here, and I think that is sort of the sign you want to see. And so, yes, Gasol's not as good a finisher around the basket as Jonas. The, the, the scoring ability of Valanciunas was diminished on this team because he was behind a lot of guys who were better scorers. He was probably the fourth best scorer on this team or the guy you want touching the ball fourth most because when you have a guy like that who becomes an insanely high usage guy with his new team, like you're going to... like. This has always been the thing. Like, you could 
you could have given Jonas all the touches in the world when he was with the Raps. Would the Raps have been as good a team? Probably not, because if you're giving all that, you have that much offensive equity built up in one guy and you're, you're relying on him for so much, then you have to have him on the court more often because he's a part of your offense's identity. And having him on the court more often means he's more prone to, you know, leaking out defensively and having your team bleed on that end. And that's what's happened with the Grizzlies. You know, you, they play Jonas a lot and they're a minus 0.7 with him on the floor. It's better than a lot of guys' net ratings on that team, of course because god it's a really bad team but um like still you're not gonna drive success with Valanciunas being like your usage leader I'm sorry it's just not gonna happen because it all bleeds into that like everything trickles down if you have him being the guy who is your number one offensive option or number two behind Mike Conley however you want to order those two like you you're just going to suck yourself into having him on the floor more often, which is a, a drawback with Valanciunas because of his defense, especially when you're a team like the Raps with designs on making a finals. Like, you have to have guys who can be on the court at all times, and that's what the Raptors have right now. They have, like, eight guys who are not defensive liabilities. Everyone on the floor is at least a passable defender, and that is so, so valuable in the playoffs because what do, what happens in the playoffs? What have we seen happen in the playoffs with the Raptors before? It's the, like, the constant targeting of your worst defenders that's how playoff series are won and lost. And if you don't have guys who are easily easily targetable, then you keep teams from you know finding a rhythm, finding a a weakness they can poke at, and it, they're, they're they're probing a lot more often and not picking you apart in a tr- tried and tested way uh, as often as they would be if they if they had those guys to pick apart. Like the Valanciunas to Rosen pick and roll combination is no longer going to be the bane of the Raptors' existence anymore because there's just there's good defenders all over the floor for the Raps now, and so that's ultimately. The offense is what it is. Maybe it's a little bit worse with Valanciunas, but the defensive upgrade in the moments where you need upgraded defense the most against very good elite defenses. The Raps have been excellent against elite, uh, excellent against elite offenses this season. I don't think that is a a stretch to say that like because Valanciunas was out for a long time and that he's no longer on the team anymore, that probably is a factor because he just wasn't good against those elite defenses. You remember that stat last year? They were the worst team or second worst team in the league against elite offenses last year. And Valanciunas was a big part of that, I think, based on you know him being one of the worst defenders on the team, one of the most easily targetable defenders. He's very good in his own situations. If you keep him near the rim, blah 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 blah. You can't. You're not going to be able to custom make your your defensive plan in the playoffs. You know to suit your worst defender's strengths. It's just not how it works. Teams are going to pick that apart and exploit where where they're not good, and your your game plan is going to have a wrench thrown into it. So I'm that's where I'm at with this whole Gasol Valanciunas thing. Give us some time. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. If I'm proven wrong and Gasol is uh, a complete liability against the Sixers or the or the Bucks or whatever, then you can laugh at me all day. But like I just, it feels very very premature to be judging the trade because the thing on which Gasol will be judged in all of this hasn't even happened yet. And it's I'm, I'm again very psyched that Jonas is having his his success that he's had with Memphis, but it's just not. Uh, enough for me to really be swayed because the team still is 9-11 with him in the lineup and it's just not an impressive team at all it's it's a fun team for sure the bizarre raptors are great but they're not impressive in the way that matters and i, I think that is important to keep in mind all right blah i'm out of breath um we'll take one quick break and we will finish the show with just a couple news and notes things and uh wrap it up so stick around Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, let's wrap this damn thing up. The wraps put the magic tonight. And I guess we can touch on some injury stuff, I suppose. Although it's not, thankfully, like cataclysmic injury stuff like we've been dealing with all season long. Uh, of course, Patrick McCaw is going to miss like three weeks with a thumb injury. I don't know how much this matters. I think McCaw, it was nice that when he came in and showed a lot of energy. He was the agent of chaos, as coined by Doug Smith, of course. And I think that is very apt for him. Um, but I don't think he was in line, really, for playoff minutes. You know, obviously, the injury probably rules him out for at least the first round. It's going to be three weeks, and he'll be reevaluated. That takes us to midway through what the first round would be. And honestly, probably to the end of, like, if we get to April 22nd and the Raps are still playing their first round series, there might be a problem. Um, so I think probably we'll see McCaw in the second round, if at all. And, like, again, this is not, like, a huge thing for the Raptors game plan-wise. It sucks for McCaw, obviously, because he was still in that competition maybe to be, like, the ninth man in the rotation but uh, and was maybe able to take advantage of some Jeremy Lin struggles. But I just I don't think, really, his combination of just, like, inability or unwillingness to shoot along with his, you know, not-so-great three-point percentage, like, that's kind of what you want him for is to be a willing catch-and-shoot guy, and he was not really either of those things. So I don't really think I saw envisioned a lot of Patrick McCaw in the playoffs, but sucks for him. Too bad. Um, and I guess we'll have to take another look at him in the second round if they have, if they have any blowout games or whatever against the Sixers. Maybe he'll get some garbage time and maybe earn himself some minutes going forward. I don't really think so. You might never play a game for the Raps again. That's kind of the, the, the shitty thing here for Patrick McCaw. Uh, Jody Meeks. I guess we should talk about Jody Meeks. He played 29 minutes in the game on Saturday, 14 points. He was 2 of 4 from deep, 6 of 9 overall, 4 boards. Uh, not a bad little game from Jody Meeks. He's been pretty good in the games he's played. Obviously very sporadic because he was on the 10-day and then another 10-day and then no longer on the 10-day and then the Raptors brought him back. Uh, I don't think he's really in the running for one of those playoff rotation spots either. Like He's kind of in that macaw tier, but... The shooting does make him a little bit interesting at least, and if Lynn continues to struggle the way he has, although the last couple of games he's looked a little better, grain of salt and all that because it's the Knicks and the Bulls, but he has looked a little bit sharper. He's gotten to the rim pretty effectively, as you want to see. He was on How Hungry Are You? That episode dropped. We'll have a review episode, I'm sure, this week with Katie Heindel. Um, maybe that turned his season. Maybe eating stinky tofu with Serge Ibaka is what turned around uh, Lynn's season, although he did that like a week after becoming a Raptor, so maybe not so much. Maybe that ruined his season entirely. But um, the... Uh, yeah, so back to Meeks. Like I think he might have a shot of squeezing in as like the ninth or 10th guy here, uh, Malcolm Miller is also there. He did not have a great game. He, 11 minutes, he was scoreless across the board. Uh, just missed a couple shots for uh, the Raps on Saturday. So I don't really think he's in the running. Although 
maybe based on like profile alone, he's the guy who we'd like most, like the six foot six dude who's a good defender who shoots threes. That like you could do a lot worse as your ninth man. Um, but I just think like the runway that he's got here to sort of build himself into a viable rotation piece, like in, in Nick Nurse's eyes, is probably not long enough. So I, I think it's probably down now. If we assume the eight, which is the starters plus Ibaka, Fred, and OG, hopefully OG's back soon, by the way, and then the ninth guy's probably Norm Powell. We had another nice game, 15-4-4 on 6 of 11 against the Bulls. Um, So if we assume that's the nine, then it might not even matter who the tenth guy is. Like, it might be Meeks, it might be Lin. They might not play at all in the playoffs anyway. Um, but if you're like really, really digging down on this race for the for the tenth spot on the roster, it might be Meeks kind of edging up towards that spot, I guess, because of his shooting. And you know, I, I guess it's nice to have Lin because the Raps love to have two point guard lineups. I'm not sure how often they'll be able to run them in the playoffs because like Lin hasn't really shown himself to be a guy who can run the offense by himself, and it hasn't really worked with him and Fred all that much. We haven't seen a ton of him and Lowry, so maybe that's a way to sort of improve Lin's on-court sustainability by just not having him play with active minus guys and having him play with like the biggest driver of plus minus there is. Um, but we haven't seen that a ton. Maybe we'll get some looks at that down the stretch here in the last five games or so. But um, I, yeah, the, the way Lin's played, you could almost argue Meeks maybe deserves that spot over him. I don't. I, again, I don't think Meeks is going to play any important minutes in the playoffs. He'll play like start of second quarters if the Raps are like trailing, but. <laughs> Um, you know, every minute's going to count, I suppose. And any minute you can save a guy for the end of the game, I suppose that's important too. But um, that's just something to keep an eye on. He's looked pretty good. Uh, way better than I thought he would because I thought Jody Meeks was kind of just like uh, a pudgy dude who did nothing and earned a lot of money from the Pistons for nothing. But he's looked okay. And uh, maybe he's got a, a role to play at some point. You know, you could do worse. I think Jack made the point of the broadcast. Like, you could do worse than just having a bunch of shooters at the back of your roster, right? And if Meeks is going to do that and be an effective shooter then maybe he has a role to play at some point down the road. Uh, I think that's probably it. I think we can wrap it there. Uh, we'll be back again on Tuesday. Myself and Philip Rossman-Reich of Locked On Magic are going to have a little chat to chat about the game on Tuesday. And then we'll see how the week progresses from there. They play the Nets Wednesday, and then I think it's the Heat on Friday or Saturday. I'm losing track of when all these games are. But they will be done soon, just like eight days until the end of the regular season, which... Get me there soon, please, because it's uh, it's getting a little dire right now watching these games, and I'm just really excited for the playoffs because I think they're going to be fascinating, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how this team comes together in the playoffs and kind of turns a gear uh, in a way that they haven't really been able to in the past. I think we're going to see like mean Kawhi. I think we're going to see mean Gasol. I think we're going to see mean Danny Green. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. But we'll uh, get you through the last week or so of the season here on Locked on Raptors as well. Lots of preview content, of course, coming next week once we know who the Raps' opponent is going to be. If you want to check out uh, sort of an, a, an early preview of all the four teams it could be, or I guess five teams it could be in theory, uh, myself and Vivek did a podcast last week about all of that and ranking those teams by who we want to see, don't want to see, all that stuff. Also, Vivek, uh, congrats to Vivek. He got himself a new job. He's working at Yahoo Sports now, and I cannot be happier for him. He's insanely talented, and I'm honored to be able to do the podcast with him once a week, and that will continue. He was able to work it out in his contract with Yahoo that he's still able to do the podcast once a week, which is fantastic, and I'm really, really happy uh, that he's going to be able to stick around and do that. So, 
once again, congrats to Vivek, and very glad Yahoo Sports continues to make a very loaded team over there with Will and Alex Wong and Vivek and Andrew Zuber doing baseball. It's uh, it's awesome. So congrats to Yahoo, congrats to Vivek, and we will talk to him later this week, I'm sure, as well. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya. Of course, it is the new podcast app that is all about curating your own podcast feed and list and making it personalized. So download Himalaya to uh, do that and listen to the Lockdown Podcast Network on there. Also use your smart speakers, use your voice activation in your car. There are many, many ways to listen to the Lockdown Podcast Network without even touching a button. So please go ahead and do that. And that is going to do it. Thanks to Wise for sponsoring today's show too. And we will talk to you tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 